Amen. Can we put our hands together and give God a cheer this morning? Amen. One more time, can we lift our hands to the Lord and just thank Him for His goodness? Thank the Lord. Amen. This is why we worship. We don't just sing a bunch of songs, but we come to worship Him. Amen. For all that He's done and all that He's doing. Lord, I thank you this morning that, Lord, you're going to bless. As we break open your word, you're going to bless, Lord, your word. Your word is blessed. It's anointed. It bring, has life in it. But, God, we need a touch this morning. Amen. If you need a touch from the Lord, I just want you to say, Lord, I receive your touch this morning, God. Amen. I thank you for that virtue that's flowing today. Amen. That's still flowing from Jesus this morning. Amen. That healing anointing oil that's flowing from Jesus, Lord. Thank you that the Holy Ghost is being poured out in our homes, in our marriages, in our lives, God. And thank you that, Lord, there is a wave of your glory, amen, that is happening. And, Lord, we don't always measure things by what we see or what we feel. We measure it by your word. And your word declares, amen, that, Lord, we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ today. I give you all the praise and all the glory. And Lord, I just thank you today that you're going to do more than I can even dream of, Lord, as I put my faith in you, in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Good to see everybody here today. Those of you joining us online, welcome. And uh, we are excited about, of course, what the Lord is doing. But um, we are going to continue to dive in right here in our series, uh, The Blessing of Work. And I wanted to just say a couple things, but I think um, real quick before we get into it, um, we've talked about the blessing of work, but uh, we, as I began to study this and we talked about it for a long time, uh, you know, I think that um, as I began to look at it, I said, Lord, there's a lot here. I think there's a lot of good principles here that need to be shared, but maybe in a different setting. And so um, as we kind of wind down the series and go into the fall and new series and things happening, I feel like um, what we're going to do is... um, I'll start in October, which is just in a couple weeks. We're going to do October, November, December. The first Wednesday of each month, we're going to be meeting right here at the church. Uh, we'll, you know, and then life groups can go on, but we're going to be doing uh, some other time. But that, that's a time that we're going to open it up. And then we really feel to, to continue this series on teaching our children the principles of work. And I think the series is going to be called Taking Out the Trash. All right. So we're going to, Brother Rick and I are going to tag team. We're going to have more of a teaching setting. And uh, so that'll be the first Wednesday of every month. And uh, so October, November, December. And uh, we just felt like that's how we should do that. Also this week, we actually started um, our podcast. We've been talking about it. And uh, we're going to start with this series. And so as we record and edit it, we're going to um, post it. And uh, so we'll be going over a lot of things we covered, some of the things we didn't cover, a lot of the things uh, we didn't cover. Some of the things we didn't cover were like the simple steps of work and getting started and maintaining a, a job and things like that. Just, just simple principles that we can talk about. So that's going to be covered in the podcast. And so I'm not a radio personality, but one of the things I remember uh, distinctively in 2016 is Dr. Miner, one of the last times I saw him that he was here, gave uh, me a word and he said, get on the radio, just get on the radio and God's going to bless us. So uh, I, I took that as saying podcast, whatever, right? And uh, or whatever. And so um, I believe the Lord is going to bless us in media. He's going to bless us in, in music, but it's all for his glory. Amen. And so it's, it's nothing that I'm going to start my own ministry or whatever, but it's just kind of fillers into some of the uh, teachings that we're doing. So, um, as we read last week, um, 
scripture we're, uh, on, on work. Um, we're going to get into the series, but before we do, um, I wanted to announce that about the first Wednesdays. One of the things we want to do, when I began to talk about work and we began to get into the series, there was a video that I saw years ago and I thought about it the other day and I thought this would be a great way to open up this message today. We just got this catalog for HomeWarehouse.com's grand opening sale. It has a huge selection, really low prices, and we can buy it all online, which is nice because sometimes just getting started on home improvement projects is the hardest part of all, and this catalog really seems to help. Break your butt up! We just got this catalog for right, HomeWarehouse.com's grand opening sale. All right. Great motivation to work, right? Amen. Years ago, when uh, I started youth pastoring, I'll never forget, uh, I was playing basketball with some teenagers after school. I'd, we had a uh, basketball court in our house, and, uh, and so a bunch of teenagers would, show up, teenagers would show up, and I'd play basketball. And afterwards, we'd get some refreshments and stuff, and we'd kind of just talk to them a little bit, see if I could just uh, maybe just present the gospel a little bit to them. And never forget this one young man by the name of Brian, and a great guy, just a, kind of the, the funny guy of the group, you know. And uh, we began to talk about what they wanted to do when they got older and what they want to do when they grow, grow up and, and uh, you know, that type thing. And just these 14-year-old, 15-year-old kids uh, just hear what they had to say. And, you know, Brian, you know, came to him. He was always the funny guy, but it, he just all of a sudden got serious. And he said, uh, one of the things that I, I, I don't want to do what my dad does. I don't want to be who my dad is. And I said, oh, what's that? And he said, lazy and unemployed. And, uh, and that really stuck with me. And I thought, man, this, this kid uh, just put his emotions out there right on the sleeve. And I think that's probably a big issue in their home. And uh, it really affected him. It really impacted him in a way that he would just open up to a stranger and say that. And so how many know that you know, our work ethics and our work has so much. It affects so many people and especially our children. Amen. And so we want to make sure that we're doing it by God's way and God's principle. So that's what we wanted to share as we did this series. So I want to get right into it. Uh, we were doing the blessings of work, the principles. We got into some of the principles. Uh, today I want to just share a little bit about the principles and finish up on that and then talk about the hindrances of work. <clears throat> and so um, I just want to dive right in here. And then one, one of the things we talked about, we used to talk about the application of work, but then we talked about, this is what we want to talk about today, is what, uh, what does work bring, the production of work, or what does it bring, what does work bring? And uh, there's three things we want to cover quickly before we get into the hindrances, and that is it, it really brings productivity, uh, really being productive, and then benefits and rest. The Bible says that the Lord makes rich and adds no sorrow with it. And the Bible over and over and over again, and, and we need to talk about this sometime, is that the Bible describes the principles of multiplication. How many know that God is into addition and multiplication? Yeah. Not subtraction, division. He is into multiplication. And one of the things He wants you to do is multiply. Was that one of the first commands that we had as a human race? To multiply. To take dominion. To subdue the earth. To do those things. To multiply. To reproduce and produce and, and all those things. So it's very important that your, your work isn't just something you do you know, to, to waste time, but it is to be productive. Teach your children to be productive. Don't just run around in circles. Don't just be busy. How many know you can be busy and not be productive, right? And how many know the Lord deals with us on that one, doesn't He? Amen. We're busy here, busy here, and we're really not spending time with Him. We're not really productive 
in our relationship with him. So productivity is a really big thing. And really, it's all about results. And results are the name of the game. When you go out in the workforce and teach your children that it's about results. It's about, you know, if you're hired to do a certain job, that's what they want you to do. They don't want you to just stand there and look nice and wave at people. You know what I mean? Come on, any, anybody that pays you to do that's ridiculous anyways. You're right? But they want you to have results. And so uh, one of the things I, I like to think about this, and that is possessing really all the talent and all that potential in the world really doesn't mean anything that if you aren't willing or unable to really have produced the, the results to show it or anything to show for it. So how many know it's about productivity, right? In Proverbs chapter 6 and Proverbs 30, uh, twice it says, Take a lesson from the ants, you lazy fellow. Learn from their ways and be wise. For though they, are, they have no king to make them work, yet they labor hard all summer gathering food for the winter. Productivity. The, uh, Jesus, over and over again, talks about the principles of stewardship. About occupy, or he talks about uh, invest until I come, because when I come back, is that story in Matthew 25, I want to see uh, results from my investment. I want to see dividends. I want to see, uh, come on, how many know God is into that? God is into what he plants, he wants to get a harvest. Is that right? Amen. And so, as Paul said, I'm confident that what God has begun in you. He's going to see it through. And he's going to, there's this, this good work that God's doing in you, there's going to be a, 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 a kind of a production of it or a producing of good fruit, spiritual fruit. And so I believe that. When it comes to uh, productivity, really, there's just a few things that I've noticed that's important about it to understand that you have a duty. You have duty and obligation. That's when, you, when you're responsible in your duties, you can produce well. When there's a drive. When you have that drive to work and that drive to be successful, you know how many people know that people are successful because they plan to be? Because they choose to be. And you don't just wake up and be a success. You, there's a drive there. And, and uh, that kind of separates really um, kind of, um, they say, really the middle class from millionaires is the drive they have to get the job done and to work. Um, Discipline is another one. When you teach your children discipline and you work, it teaches you discipline. That's important for productivity. The Bible says steady plotting brings prosperity. Keep at it. And I mean, every time I'm serious, till this day, I can hear my dad say that to me because that's one of the things he would say over and over again about job. Steady plotting brings prosperity. You know what I mean? Come on, stay at it. Keep going. You'll produce something. And then destination. Destination is so important. You've got to know where you're going, what you need to do, and the job that needs to be done. Come on. And what, what your goals are, your destination is important. The second thing is, is benefits. So it's not just productivity. It's benefits. Um, there's incentives. There's rewards. There's benefits to work. How many know that? There should be, right? <laughs> many are still looking for that at your job. But anyways... Um, you know, but also I want to just, this is clear and I see this, you know, through people that practice godly principles at work, people with good work ethics or strong work ethics. Um, it's almost like there's a difference between people that don't have good work ethics, people that don't have good work ethics or, or that are just poor work ethics will always be chasing after incentives and rewards always. But people that have good work ethics will always have incentives and rewards follow them. The Bible says that the blessings of the Lord chase down the righteous. That sounds pretty good, isn't it? Some of you guys, well, maybe I should stop and let them catch up to me. <laughs> Anyways, 
Amen. The third thing is rest. This is really just a satisfaction from your work. This is a break from your work. You know, we've got me time, quiet time, downtime, us time. All those things are necessary and good because there's principles about work that have to do with rest. And did you know that rest has everything to do with how productive you are, right? Come on. If you want to be productive, even in a, in a big company, they say you've got to have some type of rest or some type of uh, break or uh, you know, something from your work. Well, there's two words that come to mind when we talk about rest. I think one is retirement, right? We talk about that when we work. That's our goal. We want to retire. And, and our government, you know, kind of, um, in the way we have it, I should say our government, but the way we have it set up, we, you know, we work for so many years and then you retire. You, you know, you ride off in the sunset in that boat or whatever you do. And, uh, you know, in Psalms 128, uh, 1 and 2, verses 1 and 2 says, Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience to Him. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. How many of the, know the Lord is interested in you eating the fruit of your labor? In the natural. In the natural as well as the spiritual, but in the natural. And so that's, that, that, that's also in the Old Testament in Numbers. It says that the Levites would serve from the ages of 25 to 50, Right? And so what they would do, after 50 years old, it said that they would no longer be responsible to perform the sacrifices. They could observe and they could counsel and give advice, but they could not be a part of that because they had to retire. They had to play another role, right? So there's all those good principles in the Bible. The second thing I, I see, not just retirement, when we talk about rest, we have to mention the word Sabbath. Amen? How many know that's biblical, isn't it, right? And that the rest, the Sabbath, it talks about the rest. Um, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 3, the Bible says, Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it He rested from all the work of creating that He had done. And so the Lord gave us that example. Then He said, I'm going to make it available. You should do the same thing. You should rest from your work. Now, the reason that God created the Sabbath was to rest from work. That's exactly why it was created. Um, and Jesus even said the Sabbath was created for man. Man wasn't created for the Sabbath. Right? Is that what the Bible says? So the Sabbath was created for us or a rest. But, you know, we've made it about what day of the week you have church. But the point is, is that you have rest. In Hebrews chapter 4, 9 and 10, it says, There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from His. Going back into Genesis. So that could be a day of the week, that could be a year, or that could be a season of life. How many believe that there are seasons of life or times that you need to take a rest? You've been going, 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 and there's, there's that rest. And the Lord wants you to come into a rest. How many know when you don't rest some bad things can happen. Even medically speaking, your body begins to break down because you need rest. Amen? So hopefully too many people aren't resting right now. Amen. Sleeping. Anyways, um, but in the Old Testament, of course, we see that, that you know every seven years, every seven days, every seven years, then there was a jubilee. So that's, that's godly, isn't it? But as the people of God, our ultimate rest and reward is heaven. How many can lift your hand to heaven and says, my ultimate reward is heaven? Amen. My ultimate rest from this life, from all the toil, from all the work, from all the sweat, blood and tears and all the heartache. How many know we're going to a place where there will be no work, there will be no toil in the sense that we know it today? Come on. Amen. We're going to rest. How many know when you're in the presence of the Lord, you can find rest? 
That's why it's so important to have daily devotions with the Lord because there's something about the presence of the Lord that you just feel the rest of God. The refreshing of the Lord is the rest of God. I love that. And so uh, how many know heaven's going to be the rest? For us. <laughs> that's our reward and that's the way we look at it. So I believe those are very important principles. Let me just go into some hindrances and, and I think there's, there's more but I, I just wanted to talk about a few. Some hindrances to work. And one of the things I've noticed about hindrances right off the bat, I just wanted to say that there's two things. I feel like we, we have created crisis. There's things that we have created or allowed that brought a crisis that hinder us from working or whatever. Um, you know, created crisis is kind of like things that enables laziness and entitlement. There, there are, well, let me just put it this way. There's many people that claim that, that they're at a disadvantage when really it's because they've mismanaged their life. You understand what I mean? So there's created um, crisis, then there's a real crisis. How many know there's real crisis in life? Homelessness is a real crisis. Unemployment, poverty, these things are real, a loss of a loved one. or something. These are real crises, and they come into our life, and the Lord wants us to overcome them or get through them with full of strength, right? And I mean, but how many know these hindrances that I'm going to talk about? I want you to know something, that all the hindrances that, to work that we talk about, here's the good thing about it. They can pose as obstacles, but they can, we can overcome them. That's the good thing, isn't it? Amen. Any hindrance that we have for work or whatever, as you look at these things, I just want you to know that if you're struggling with a couple of these things and have these hindrances in your life, there's hope. We can overcome these. Aren't you glad that the Lord gives us strength and grace and power and principles to overcome hindrances in our life? Yeah. Amen. Yeah, let, let's just thank the Lord for that. So we, we do that and so... We have people that have created crisis, but then there's a real crisis in our lives. And, and God needs to help us and give us wisdom to know which one to, to overcome and which one to avoid. And so let me just give you some hindrances here. Uh, I feel, feel like the first one, which is big, and, and, and I feel like it, it just there's a lot to it. But number one, that is passive. There's a being passive. This is a, this is a hindrance in our life. Did you know that the curse that really came on Adam was passivity? Did you know that? That he was passive in the garden. He wasn't present. He was passive. And God wants fathers to be present, not passive. He wants men to be, he wants men to be present. He wants men to be powerful, not passive. passive is, passivity is actually a curse. Because what happens is, is that we, we, we back away from what God called us to do and what God called us to be. That's passive. That's in our lower nature. We don't want to be all that God wants us to be. There's something that keeps saying, well, just be a kid all your life. Be foolish all your life. Don't grow up and be a man and take responsibility. How many know the Spirit of the Lord wants us to take responsibility? God drives us in that place and pushes us in that place to come back to what He originally intended. And that was to grow in our, in our faith and grow in our spirit. Come on. Amen? Not be passive. How many know we can't be passive in our marriage? You can't be passive, you know, if your wife says, hey, I love you, and you say, yeah, I kind of feel the same. That's not going to work too well, is it? Or just go, yeah, yeah, I guess, right? That doesn't work. There's some passion there. You need some work. Come on, amen? Right, yeah. So uh, God doesn't want us to be passive in our work. That actually is a curse, it's actually what hinders us from, from work and from the blessings of the work is being passive. In, in being passive, there is a couple things I've noticed that when people are very passive, they're also very ignorant. Because what they do is they fail to take advantage of available opportunities uh, 
you know, and so that makes it worse. And so these things, you know, it's one thing if you don't have any opportunities. It's another thing if you fail to take advantage of opportunities that have been given to you. That's just ignorant, isn't it? And so when people are passive, they become ignorant. People that are passive have a lot of good intentions. A lot of good intentions. I'm not talking about a things to do list or a life goals. I'm talking about, you know, they're just, they have good intentions. And what's the old saying? That the road to hell is paved with good intentions, right? Is that what it says? So, so there's, there's that ignorance there, and we need to avoid that. And also, we need to avoid immaturity. And, uh, you know, things like casting off responsibility, avoiding hard work, running from obligation, uh, this is just immaturity. And, you know, getting out of work may seem funny when you're young, but it's embarrassing when you're old. When you get older and you're, you're the person at work that's known to try to get out of work, you don't volunteer, you're always skipping out, when, you know, and you're trying to get out of the work, always throwing it off on somebody else. How many know that's just immature? And you'll never grow, you'll, never, you'll succeed, and you'll, you'll never get, of course, never get a raise with that kind of attitude. And, uh, and immaturity really continues to breed insecurities in us. And so I just want to uh, move along here. The other thing is about being passive is, and this is the big one, and that is indifference. It creates just an indifference about life. It creates an indifference about what's important, about priorities. We're indifferent about it. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, I don't need to get to it. Or yeah, you know. But you know, and, and there's, we, we live in a culture that absolutely caters to our desire to be passionate about what we want and not passionate about what we should be doing. Amen. So in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 11, Paul said this, This should be your ambition to live a quiet life, minding your own business and doing your own work, just as we told you before. As a result, people who are not Christians will trust you and respect you, and you will not need to depend on others for money to pay your bills. I'm, I'm reading out the Bible, by the way. That was, that was, I mean, that's in the Bible, you know. And you know what he had to deal with here? You know what Paul was dealing with? And when you read 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, of course, he was talking to the Jewish people. But here's what he had to deal with, that I'm, I'm a Gentile, and so I'm free from these rules that you're saying. I'm actually not responsible to do what you said, Paul, because I'm not a Jew. And so he, he has to deal with this. And basically, it, and the other thing is, is because Christ is returning, why should we work? If Jesus is our provider, why should I work? Paul had to deal with this. He said, you need to be quiet, get your hands dirty, and provide food for your family. I mean, that's basically what he was saying. And so, you know, this ad attitude of it's beneath me, beneath me, it's not my obligation, it's not my job. Paul had to deal with this. It's not my duty, it's not my job, I'm not a Jew, I don't have, but he said, no, we're not talking about just Jewish laws and customs, we're talking about what Jesus, coming under the umbrella of being a Christian, what you're obligated to do. How I many know it gets everybody? And Paul's saying everybody comes under this one. Everybody's got a word. And so one of the things about indifference is that I've noticed is a word that we use a lot, kind of snuck in there, but it kind of can be a, step, a stepping place for laziness, and that is procrastination. Procrastination is that kind of creates a, well, I want to get to it. I can't. I can't get it. And I understand that's the way I am. I, my wife will tell you it seems like, you know, I, I've got this mastered. I mean, I could do like a huge, huge business on procrastination anyways but I don't have time so um, how many know that unfulfilled tasks can lead to unfulfilled dreams 
And so, help, you know, if this is a hindrance in your life, figure out a way to get things done. And uh, I'm not going to go into that today because I really need to just spend some time on the biggest indifference, the biggest uh, thing, the biggest hindrance to work, uh, the number one problem and hindrance that we have to work is laziness. The biggest. That's the biggest. In fact, there's more scriptures on laziness than any, just about anything else in the book of Proverbs. And I love the book of Proverbs. I thought about why I love the book of Proverbs so much. Um, it's because um, my dad, as we traveled or wherever we were going, he had this, you know, he loved to listen to cassettes and teachings. And we'd listen to, you know, teachers and everything. But he had the, he had the living Bible on cassette. And we love the book of Proverbs. I love Proverbs. And so, um, I, you know, and he would quote from it a lot. And I'd quote from a lot. And so then when I read it in the King James, I was like, I, don't, I didn't say that. I didn't hear that because I didn't hear my dad say it that way. But anyways, it was the, it was the living Bible. And I, I still love it and I still do it today. But let me just say this. If you ever studied the book of Proverbs, I'm not going to go into it. We'll talk about it when we talk about um, teaching your kids. Four types of men in the book of Proverbs. Number one, there's a wise man. There's a wise man. He hears and obeys instruction. Number two, there's a foolish person or man. Uh, he ignores instruction. Number three, lazy, lazy man. He considers instruction but never obeys. And number four, a rebel. He rejects instruction, completely rejects instruction. Do you know if you're not going to be wise and listen to you, the, the word of the Lord or, or people of your life, your parents, and not, the Bible makes it clear, if you do not do that, you'll be foolish. If you continue to live a foolish life, you'll be lazy, and laziness leads to rebellion. Think about it. It really does. And so, you know, let me just say this, um, that... Why is laziness so bad for us? Why is that? I thought about that. Lord, why is it so bad for us? Why is laziness, you know, why is that video we saw to roll up that paper and, and, you know, why is that so bad? Why is laziness such a problem? Because a couple things, I think it hinders God's provision to us. It, it can hinder God's provision. How many know God wants to bless you as long as you're doing what he told you to do? God speaks to those who are listening. God God gives instructions to those who are working, and God works with those who are already going and doing. He, do, he doesn't really bless and, and all this stuff. We want all these blessings if you're on the shore and you're not obeying Jesus by getting in the boat and casting out. In the, come on, he's not going to bless that. Uh, that's a different sermon. So it's, it hinders God's provision to us and, and generosity through us. It hinders, we can't be generous. Uh, it just shuts it down. It shuts down your abilities. Your, every ability that God wants you to use, it shuts them down. It limits them. It cuts off the source of your strength. It weakens your faith. It keeps you from purpose. Laziness keeps you from true purpose. You will not have any purpose. You will not know purpose. And you will be a lost individual. Come on. You just, it, it, it just cuts you off from purpose. And so laziness must be overcome. It really does. And as the Bible teaches us, it, it has to be viewed as an enemy of God's design. It has to be viewed as, as part of something that came on man after the curse. It's, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to hinder me if I don't learn how to work, if I don't learn how to be productive and, and industrious in my life uh, and, and be lazy, I'm going to come to ruin as a person. All right? Amen. So I noticed that the older people are saying amen. I'm not hearing it from the kids. Um, some interesting points about a laziness that I thought about that are kind of just interesting to me. How many, how many have ever noticed that it takes more time to talk about it than do it? Right? 
laziness overcomplicates things. Like instead of putting something back where it belongs and you put it in, in the living room and then you put the stuff on top of that and then this, you know, and everything. I'll get to it and then, it, it, come on, right? It, it overcomplicates things. It doesn't make things easy and simple anymore. People spend more effort avoiding work than doing it. Proverbs teaches that. People actually think of creative ways to get out of work than actually just doing the work. How many have ever noticed you can stare at your lawn for a long, long time right for days but mowing it would take like 20 minutes right all right get it so so let me just say this about uh, a lazy person a lazy person loses several things a lazy person loses time opportunity money and self-respect that's why people who suffer from extreme laziness have no self-respect and no respect for other people so uh, laziness brings three things I want to share with you in, in closing or, or how we can do this. We're going to go through a lot of scripture. Believe it or not, I've actually trimmed these down. What I'm going to do in the podcast, I'll give you the full list of scriptures in Proverbs. These are all Proverbs, by the way, okay? So laziness brings three things. It brings poverty. First of all, it brings poverty. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 19. I'm going to go through it a little fast. I'll make this available again uh, some other time. So poverty, uh, poverty. Proverbs chapter, yeah, poverty. We could say that would be good. Good lesson right there. Pa- I don't even know what to say. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 19. It says this. Hard work brings prosperity. Playing around brings poverty. Proverbs 6, 9. But you, all you do is sleep. He's talking to the lazy person. When, when will you wake up? You say, let me sleep a little longer. Sure, just a little bit more. As you sleep, poverty creeps upon you like a robber and destroys you. Want attacks you in full armor. Well, people who are lazy are constantly in want, constantly begging, constantly wishing, but never attaining. So poverty is, laziness brings poverty. Laziness brings excuses. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 13, a lazy man is full of excuses. He's got a million of them. How many know what I'm talking about? And you know, sometimes I think sometimes the devil has a bunch too. <laughs> I don't know, they kind of work hand in hand. But, but later on, that scripture uh, kind of it's, it repeats itself in Proverbs 26. It finishes that, that sentence. The lazy man won't go outside to work. He says there might be a line outside. He says, that's what he says, there might be a line outside. Now think about that for a moment. I can't go out to work. There might be a line out there waiting for me. You see anything? And I think the writer here, Solomon, is saying this because he wants, to, let's, he wants us to see how ridiculous that is. You see what I mean? Some of these excuses are so ridiculous why I can't come to work, why I can't work, why I can't do this and everything. How many, you, you, you're, a, you're a boss or a employer, and you've heard the most ridiculous excuses why you can't go to work, right? My, my cat is not looking good today. I think it's sick. I need to stay home. Okay. Yeah, anyways, all right, so excuses, and, and it's really bad. Now, in verse 14, it says this, the, talking about the lazy man, he sticks to his bed like a door to its hinges. That's, that's a big lesson on that. He is too tired even to lift his fork from his dish to his mouth. I can't, I can't, I just, I can't, I can't, oh, I can't open a can of soup. That's what we ask our kids, can you do this? Can you do that? And then like that in the microwave? Then like this, then like this, you can feed yourself, right? Push on in the oven, nuggets go on the tray, in, boom, you have nutrition. You have nourishment right there. 
I can't, I can't. So I'm going to let everybody do it for me. I'm going to let my mom work for me. I'm going to let my kids, I'm going to let them system do this. I'm going to let, I can't. I remember talking to a guy, came in the church, I can't do this, I can't do that and everything. And said, well, we'll help you. Oh, I can't, I'm, I, I, don't, I can't do that. I just can't do that. No, he didn't want to. He wanted to go to the soup kitchens. He wanted to do this. He wanted to do that. He wanted free clothes. He wanted free money. But he did not want to work. Didn't want to work. Didn't want to work. Excuses, 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 right? How many know that's really bad? And we can go into that. I'm just, I'm just giving you pieces of it. Uh, the third thing is inactivity. Laziness brings inactivity. That makes sense, doesn't it? Everybody's like, yeah, duh. Inactivity. But we would be surprised how much inactivity it brings. Um, Laziness actually causes people to be paralyzed, not just in their productivity and work and, and business, but in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 11, it says, Hard work means prosperity. Only a fool idles away his time. If you love sleep, you will end in poverty. Stay awake, work hard, and there'll be plenty to eat. Proverbs 15, 19, A lazy fellow has trouble all through life. The good man, his path is easy, the Bible says. Wow. And the good man works, by the way. Amen. Proverbs 10.5, a wise youth makes hay while the sun shines. But what a shame to see a lad who sleeps away his moment of opportunity. The King James says, but he who sleeps and harvest is a son that causes shame. It's embarrassing when somebody wants to be inactive all the time and make excuses for it. And they'd rather sleep than work. That's, that's embarrassing. It's a shame. And it brings, like this young man that I told you about, there's a shame that he carried because his dad was lazy and unemployed. How many know it carries the shame in your family? When you won't. You can, but you won't. You can, but you The Bible says in Timothy, he took, Paul told Timothy, he said, you need to tell the people that won't work that if you don't provide for your family, you're, you're worse than an illegitimate person in the kingdom of God. I mean, you got problems with God. Why? Because it's going against God's design for your home, God's plan for your life, God's development as a man. Right? Amen. And so that's why it is. And so, anyways, the, the other thing is, is that it, not just is it uh, uh, inactivity is what it breeds, but also abuse, abuse. Laziness brings abuse. What do I mean by that? Mistreatment of other people and systems. You mistreat it. You abuse it. You abuse people's kindness. You abuse systems that are there to assist you. You abuse these things. You take, take advantage of it. Come on. You take advantage of it. Your, your cupboard is full, but you're going you're gonna to whine and complain that, you have, that you're going through trouble and that you need things to eat. Now, I say that based on real-time experience. I'll never forget in Bible school, there was a couple that I was good friends with. They were newly married, and, and they really you know, came to Bible school, and they weren't really thinking to far ahead but here he lost his job and he's trying to go through Bible school and uh, lost his job and he just said can you pray for me you know I, I don't have any work and we found out that uh, things weren't working out and they really just were really hitting hard times and so the Lord just spoke and said well just just go to the store buy him you know some food or whatever just be a just find that simple need and meet it and so I did with a friend and we went and one of the things that we we felt in our heart. I just said, I'm going to get him a chicken dinner for tonight. And so we got the chicken and everything. And we came into the house and we just said, the Lord just spoke to us and just gave us, you know, and of course they, they're crying and we went and there was nothing in their cupboards. I mean, it was like they were just, they weren't, because they were eating crackers, you know. It, and it's like, why didn't you say anything? Why didn't you tell us? We would have helped you. And no, no, we don't want to be a burden. And, uh, and so how many know that, that kind of humility goes a long way and God, God trusts it. So, you know, we, we just really felt, 
you know, God uh, met their need. But then, like, it was like a week or two later, another couple stands up and, oh, we're going through hard times and, you know, and, and, and everything. And so I was like, hey, I'll just go get them some food. We'll just go to the store, buy them some So we came to their house and, and she didn't even answer the door. She was just like, door's open, come in. She was in watching TV, you know, and uh, everything. So she just put the stuff in the cupboard, just put the food in the cupboard. I was like, okay. I went in. I couldn't fit any of the food in the cupboard. There was food in the fridge, food in the fridge, in the cupboard. I was like... Are you kidding me? So how many know we need discernment and we need to, amen? And so I I feel like, you know, again, it's abuse and it's mistreatment. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 4 says, Lazy people want much, but get little, while the diligent are prospering. Proverbs 10, 26, a lazy fellow is a pain to his employers, like smoke in the eyes or vinegar that sets the teeth on edge. I mean, how many have ever worked with people like that, right? Proverbs 21, 25 says, The lazy man longs for many things, but his hands refuse to work. He is greedy to get, while the godly love to give. And you know, that's a good indication if somebody's really lazy. How much do they love to get things? Or how much do they love to give things? Right? All right, the second thing, and we need to move along. One, we talked about laziness, and then that's a hindrance. And in that... um, Inactivity. We talked about abusing things, but laziness is huge. And so the other thing is is poverty. Poverty is a huge, or can be a huge, um, really hindrance. And I don't have to say a whole lot about that. But you know, one of the things about poverty and people that grew up. I just talked to a, a guy the other day, and he just was telling me how real poor they were, and they grew up, and and how his dad worked so hard all his life. And um, it, it's really hard, isn't it? It's rough. And, and uh, some, some people are just find themselves in that situation. Some people are born in that situation. And, uh, but, you know, people believe uh, when you get into that, that mindset and you get into that so long, there's something that people believe that they'll never break free from poverty. But aren't you glad that the Bible teaches us lessons that we can break free from poverty? Amen? And, and it, one of the things that has to do with work. Um, nothing will ever change. It's always going to be this way. My dad was this way. My grandfather. We never had enough. It's never. And, and there's so many bad things that come out of it. I'm not going to go into it. But, you know, it brings a lack of confidence, a defeated reality, and despair. It's just, it's really not healthy. And, and, and ultimately, poverty is humiliating. And so if we see people on the street and, and we know that they're poor, you know, that's not something to make fun of. That's, it's very humiliating. It's very humiliating. How many of you know, you've done that. You've had to do those things. And at times we do. It's, it's humbling, isn't it? And, and, you know, and so I feel like you know, we need to be aware of that. But it's a hindrance. And poverty can be a real hindrance. And there's a couple of scriptures I won't share. But, um, and today, you know, poverty affects so many things. Um, you know, in fact, people, and this has nothing to do with the race, but there's a 50% dropout rate with people that are uh, considered poor in America. There's 73% born out of wedlock. 25% of young men with criminal records in jail. I mean, these are things that have to do with poverty and that, and that are related to poverty. Um, you know, poverty holds kind of a lot of different deficiencies, doesn't it? Um, there's a lack of education for a lot of, t- a lot of people. There's uh, codependence. There's unemployment. There's all these things. Depression, bad health, crime, anger. Um, you're just a dependent on, on government programs and other things and other people all your life. God doesn't want you to be, first of all, He wants you to be dependent on Him. But secondly, God wants you to come to a place where you can give to others. Where you're not always depending on others, but people are depending on you. Amen? And He wants to take, and this is our heart with the Job and Life Skills program, that God wants to bring people in and take them from a place that says, I need help, to how can I help? 
How many know that's a healthy place to be? That's where God wants people to go. That's where God wants this generation. Not, not we need more government, we need this, we need this, or I need more free stuff, I need more handouts. That's not really helping too many people. It's supposed to assist. It's not supposed to be the source. God wants to be the source. Amen? Amen. And so let me just say this, that there's nothing worse than having big dreams with low-end jobs. <laughs> but how many know if we'll work hard, amen, the Bible says that God can give us the desires of our heart. And I believe work really unlocks a lot of that. The, second, or the third thing is that I feel that the, the Bible teaches that as a hindrance is pleasure. You know, you, you listen, just watch the, re, the teachings of Jesus, listen to the teachings of Jesus, but go all the way back to Solomon. As we're reading Proverbs, Solomon saw the danger of pleasure. He saw the de- danger of materialism and things. And he was the richest man in the world and in the end, the Bible says, it was his riches and his wives and their idols that caused his heart to go away from the Lord. And so Solomon knew that. He saw the dangers of it. Jesus taught us to be aware of the hold that pleasures can have in our lives. John warns us in the book of Revelations. He warns, warns the church about it, against it. He talks about laziness, lukewarmness, and luxury. I just threw those three L things out there. Anyways, so, you know, isn't that true? And Paul writes about it as a door to falling away. That pleasures can be a door that lead to falling away from Jesus. Is it coming, falling away from the purposes of God. How many know the pleasures of this world are going to fade? They're going to they're, they're crumble. Jesus said, we're moths corrupt. I mean, come on, they're here today and gone tomorrow. Proverbs says that money has wings. And how many have found that out? You're excited when you get it, but man, when it goes. Amen? Right? And it's not something that we can build our lives around and on and trust in. The Bible warns us over, do not trust in riches of this world. Do, do, be rich in faith. Trust in the riches of heaven. Jesus said, put all your energy towards the, the, the wealth of heaven. Amen? Is that what he says? Amen. A couple people read that scripture. Other people avoid it. That's all right. Amen. But you see, when you value play over work, you depreciate the value of work. So you don't, you don't really understand it. Therefore, you'll never get the benefits of it. Pleasures have a way of really masking uh, lust. It has a way of, it really just comes down to lust. We call it pleasure. It really comes down to lust, our desires. We want, we want, we want, we want. But how many know the more you want, the more empty you are? You'll never be satisfied the more you want. Amen. It's one thing to have a bucket list. It's one thing to have, I've got life goals. I've got bucket lists. I've got things to do. I've got all these lists. But you know, those things mean nothing because I really want the things that are important. I want the Lord. I want, I want Him. I want His purpose. I want my family. How many know there's a priority? And when we put our pleasures over those things, our, all of a sudden there's things in our life that become crooked. They just, they're not straight. They're, they lead us down a path that isn't healthy and and they can end up destroying things. The love for pleasure, the love for the things of this world. Come on, how many know they can destroy your life? Amen. That sounds simple, but how many know that's a hard lesson, isn't it? And, you know, working for selfishness or pleasure, as the Bible teaches us, is vanity. Vanity, vanity, vanity. It means nothing in the end. Amen. Wow. This was exciting at first, and then kind of took a little turn there. 
you know. But, it, you know, today it's about funding your lifestyle or financing your pleasures. But the Bible teaches us that we need to finance His purposes, our family, things that are important, and giving and being generous. Come on, somebody. Amen. Not hoarding things for ourselves. Not taking things in and just taking, taking, but giving. Amen. I'm going to wind up here soon. But, you know, we need, we need to understand that usually uh, what happens in our heart, if you ever think about it, we have a lust for money but a lack of desire to work. And how many of the Lord wants us to have a desire to work? He wants us to have a passion to work and do the things that we need to do. And all the pleasures of this world are secondary. How many know when you're laying on that bed and the doctors say you only have a few hours to live, you're not concerned about your boat. You're not concerned about a car. You're not thinking about, come on, you only have a few hours left. What are you going to do? Get your family around. Make things right. You're going to do, say what's important at that time. You're not going to say, okay, kids, take out a list. This is, what, this is the important pleasure. Do this, do that. No. You're going to say, this is what's really important. Amen? Amen. I mean, no. And, and you know, you, you, can, your house, you can lose your house. You can lose through a flood or fire. But, you know, those things aren't, and I've heard it over and over again, those things are not important. What's important is I have my family. I've got my health. Those are important, aren't they? All right, we got to go. Um, so one of the things along this line is to, this question to ask you is, you think about this, are your hobbies forcing you to work more than spending time with what's important? Because you've got to pay for them. You've got to keep paying for your pleasures and hobbies. The Bible says that that'll never end, and that's wearisome, as the Bible says. And uh, I like this. I'm just going to throw this out, and then we're going to stand. But just a few things. I, I think that I, I talked to um, a brother, uh, just a dear brother in the Lord. He, he uh, lived around here, and, and he's just an awesome worker, great guy, and a wonderful family. I just ran into him not too long ago. And there's something that we um, just started talking about his job. And one of the things he said to me is he said, work to live. Don't make work your life. I like that. That's pretty good, isn't it? Work to live. Don't make work your life. You know, there's, there's actually a condition that's very unhealthy. It's called being a workaholic. And, you know, that can get a hold of you, can it? Can that get a hold of it? It can get a hold of you. And, and that's good to work, and it's really good to work. But, you know, don't ever put your job, your career, above your marriage or your family. Don't ever do it. You know, one of the things that we, we've seen over the years, and I've, I've noticed is don't ever put your ministry over your marriage. Well, God's called me. I got and my kids. They can find their own way. How many know you never put it over your kids? If you have to get another job, if you've got to move, whatever you have to do, your family, your marriage, those are the things that last. Those are the things that are important. Because you can have all the money in the world and be the loneliest person on the earth. You can be the most depressed, the most suicidal, the most... Come on. You can be the most wicked person with all the finances and all the riches. But how many know the Bible says that with godliness, with contentment is great gain. There's something about godliness, and godliness has everything to do with priorities. Amen. And so, you know, you, you can be a workaholic, and that's great, but when, see, there's, there's a difference between being a workaholic versus making work your priority. You work as a priority, but don't become a workaholic because you don't want to sacrifice. Put your children on that altar where you don't even know them. You don't even talk to them. You just throw money at them. You just give them expensive gifts at Christmas, and somehow you'll be known as a good dad. Or a good mom. How many know that doesn't work? They want you. They want your time. They need you. They need your time. Amen? Amen. All right, that's enough I'm going to say about that. And the fourth thing I'm going to share, we're going to stand. 
Can you stand on your feet today? Amen. Again, this is a, 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 a long series, but amen. How many just appreciate God's Word and His principles, right? So the fourth thing we talked about, we did talk about, we talked about the things, the hindrances. We talked about, uh, you know, obviously uh, passive and being lazy, um, poverty, that's a hindrance, um, you know, and some of these things. And, but, you know, one of the last things I want to share is that it can be a huge hindrance to work, and that is pride. Pride can be a big hindrance because with pride there comes three things, and I, I just did it this way today. Maybe because it was, you know, that's just the way I think about it. But unteachable, unthankful, unprincipled. That's pride. When you won't be taught, whether there's, you know, there's a difference between uneducated and unteachable. You can be uneducated and still be very teachable. You can learn a lot from people in your life. You can learn a lot from parents and mentors and coaches and drill sergeants. Come on, somebody. Amen. Just because you don't have a big education doesn't mean you can't be teachable. That, there's a difference. I'm talking about people that, because there's a lot of people that have big education and they're unteachable. They know everything and you can't tell them anything. Come on, somebody. Amen. Hey, right, yeah. So someone, you know, someone who can't work without, well with others. Someone who doesn't like being on a team. Someone who can't be under authority. Someone who can't follow, follow instructions. They just can't. They don't want to follow them. They want to be there. I know one guy who just who doesn't want to work for anybody. Period. I don't want to work for anybody. I never want to work for anybody. I don't want a boss ever. You know. Well, the guy doesn't even go to church because he doesn't want any authority in his life. Doesn't want. He's not even married. He doesn't want anybody telling him what to do. How I many know that's one of the most miserable people to be around? Right. Unthankful. Just you know that that's, that goes without saying. And unprincipled. And I want to finish up with this. Unprincipled. This is a form of pride. Why? Because the Bible teaches specifically, especially in Proverbs and some other places, about dishonest gain. Avoid dishonest gain. Avoid bribes. Avoid, uh, you know, conning people. Cheating. Cutting corners. Lying to people. Come on. Stepping on other people to get to the top. The Bible says that's not right. That's unprincipled. That's a form of pride. And, and pride will never, never last. It will always fall, always, always fall one way or the other, and it takes other people with them. So, something for nothing, that's very unprincipled, isn't it? I just want something for nothing. I want everything and not give anything. How many know that's unprincipled? That's just a form of pride. I want something, I deserve everything. I want everything. Envy, com competition, comparing yourself with other people. That's just, that's pride, and that's unprincipled, and it hinders your work. And if you're that type of person where you can't get along with other people, and you don't want to be taught, and you, you just, you just want to be unprincipled, you want to do your thing, how many know that's just a form of pride? And the Bible makes a promise that you will fall. You will come to ruin. All pride comes to ruin. And how many know pride took an angel and made a devil out of him? So, you know, it... You know what I mean? I, I know people that's like, well, I, you know, I, I'm going to be a manager. I'm going to be the, I'm going to be the top. I'm going to be the manager. I'm going to be, well, you know, be the servant. Just be who you're hired to be. You know what I mean? Just, just get in, you know, just get in there and the job and then work your way up. Don't, don't go in with the attitude. I can do a better job than you. You know, it's people that don't want to be the boss think they can be the boss. You ever notice that? The people that always think they can do a better job than the boss really never really want to be the boss. They just think they can do a better job than the boss. You know, they're the guys around the, the, the water tanks, and they're the guys that know better, right? 
But how many know God wants us to be good workers? God wants, and so, you know, I've threw some stuff out today. We taught a lot, but, you know, I just wanted to ask you this question. Is there anything that God is speaking to you today through this message? Is there anything? Let, let's just say, Lord, what, what are you speaking to me through this whole lesson of work and the principles of work? Is it, is it that I need to be a better dad? Is it better, that, a better mom? Is it, is it I need to really teach my children instead of just barking at them? I really need to show them how to do it? What is God teaching you through this? What, what is God showing and saying through this? And I think that's important, don't you? I feel like we need to respond to the Word of God. Not to me, but to the Word of God today. And just check your heart and say, Lord, what are you, what are you doing? And some of you are excellent workers. Some of you are incredible workers. And some of you are, have the ability and the gift to make money in business. And you could put deals together. You sell ice to an Eskimo. I mean, you, you can do it. You, you've got that call on your life. And God's called you to be, maybe God, I need to be more of a giver. I need to, and I'm not talking about money, just of my time and, and my heart, my, my concern for others and my time. You know, whatever it is, Lord, maybe I need to be more generous. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm you know, really taking things in and I'm just consuming everything. And I'm so worried about consuming everything. I'm just not worried about the future. How many know that really godliness leaves a legacy for the next generation? Amen. That's what retirement should be all about. So whatever it is today, and maybe you're not saved, and maybe you're not really walking with the Lord today, and you, you know, you've came here today, or you're listening online, and you say, I really, I just wanted to check it out. I just wanted, I don't know Jesus. I really don't know Him. I don't know anything about Christianity. I just, I want to encourage you today to seek God and seek the Lord and, and look to God and say, God, I want you to show yourself to me. This is a, this isn't just another religion that I'm experimenting with. This is, this is a change that I need in my life. I need to repent of my sins and I need to turn to the Lord. I need, Lord, I, I don't have a home in heaven and that's what I need today. And so if that's you and you, you want to say, I, I want to be born again, just I want you to make a comment there online or, or email us or text us or whatever. Reach out to us. We want to pray with you today. If there's a need in your life that maybe you're facing because of work, maybe it's a loss of job or maybe there's some bills or whatever going, some tension in your house and your marriage. You know, we want to pray with you today. We, we, we want to counsel with you. We want to talk with you. We want to care with you about it. We know that it's not easy sometimes. We know that it's a load that you carry. But we know that the Lord is the deliverer. How many know He's our burden bearer? Today, some of you couldn't even worship because you've got bills and you've got a burden and you've got something heavy on your heart concerning money or your work and your things like that. I, I just want you to just encourage you in the Lord. Amen. I'm not saying that it just takes a little quick, just wave a wand, but start by just worshiping God. Start by being thankful for what you have and what God's done in your life. Not the things that you lost. Don't look at the things you've lost. Look at the things that God gives you to gain. Amen. Everything that Jesus gave you and that we have through Jesus. Can we pray today? Lord, we just thank you today for really this congregation of people, the group of people that are just real here today, listening online, but here today. And Lord, we thank you that you want to meet every need, every little need, every big need. Some of us are in dire straits. We're in an emergency situation with our finances, with our work. But God, some of us, it just takes a little adjustment. We pray that, Lord, no matter what it is, we're going to look to you today as our provider, our strength. You're our manager. You're our, Lord, you're my boss. Lord, you're my master. Lord, you're the one I'm working for. I work to you. I work unto you. I work for you and by you, through you, Lord. You, you can enable me to do. And some of us today, maybe we were a little pricked in our hearts about some of the hindrances, maybe about laziness. I pray, Lord, you would just teach us to work, teach us to be productive, teach us to be who you want us to be, who you originally designed us to be, and that is to multiply, and that is to be, be fruitful and multiply and be blessed. 
And I thank you for the blessing of work. I pray you would bless every business that's represented here today. One way or the other, whatever the business is, whether it's online or whether it's uh, you know a storefront, Lord, I just pray that you're going to bless every business, every businessman, every woman, Lord, every every young person, every entrepreneur, everyone's, Lord, I pray that you would bless them beyond what they can even imagine, and they'll give you the praise and the glory for all that you've done in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.